Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we'll study God's Word. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fail, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourself of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Amen. Well, good morning, saints. Turn to someone and say, good morning, saint. No, like, turn to somebody. Yeah. Do you know that is your birthright? That is your birthright. Feels good to be called a saint, isn't it? Yeah, that's your birthright. And Peter keeps going back to our birthright time and time again and says, in light of that, you have a new family. In light of the family, here's how we live. Here's how our family lives. We're going to talk about that later. But I want to give a plug for Ash Wednesday. I want to invite you to join us Wednesday night, 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock. We're, um, you know, our theme for the year is kingdom come, your kingdom come, your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. We're working through the Lord's Prayer. And that night we'll be focused on forgive us our sins, plural, as we forgive those who sin against us. And so invite you to in the kickoff, if I could put it that way, of the Lenten season to join in a practice that's almost 2,000 years old uh, in Ash Wednesday and remembering who we are in light of who God is. Okay, 7 o'clock right here. Let me pray for us. Father, I'm so grateful. Oh, I missed being here last week. I'm grateful for what you're doing up and down the peninsula and that there are um, great churches and we get to hear from other shepherds and I get to go speak to other flocks, but I'm thankful to be back. I'm thankful for this family. I'm biased. I love it. They have shaped me and molded me, my marriage, my home, my girls for all eternity. Father, we want that to happen again. We know powerful things take place when the Spirit of God takes the Word of God to do the work of God in the context of the people of God. So here we are. We're humbled to worship you. We're humbled in your presence. We're humbled before your Word. We're humbled before you, Jesus. Speak to our hearts now. Pray this in Christ's name. Everyone said? All right, we're journeying through 1 Peter. The whole theme is uh, around exiles. He uses that term time and time again. Bev talked about a time during segregation where uh, the church was a safe place for African Americans. And that's kind of a triggered for me what Peter was getting at at a time when the church gathered to his original readers in the outskirts of the Roman Empire. That's where they could feel safe. And that's where they were renewed and reoriented, I like to say, around their true identity, who they were in light of God. I hope that's your case too. 
Uh, and so we were walking through this. We're finally going to get out of chapter one. It's only taken four weeks. Uh, at this point, we'll be in this book for a couple years, which is fine by me. But um, we're going we're gonna to dive in. And he's going to bring them back to a reminder of their birth, okay? Let me ask you a question. Do you remember when your parents had the talk with you? How many of you got the talk from your parents, right? Let me bring you into mine, okay? I was 13 years old. Uh, and by that point, I was uh, an only child. I was the product of Bob and Rita Gadini. I'll tell you this later. I was an accident. They didn't plan me. Uh, but that's a whole different story. I've been in counseling for that. I'm fine. Um, <laughs> But my dad, I'm in the living room, and we had a two-story house. My room is in the bottom. My dad comes in, and he is nervous. He's like, son, we, we, we need to talk. And then he walks and turns and doesn't say anything, walks downstairs to my bedroom. And I'm going, and the whole time walking down, it's like the walk of shame for me. And I'm going, what did I do wrong? What's going on? And he sits, we, I had two twin beds in my room. I could see it like it was yesterday. And he sits on one end, and I'm on the other, and he says, he's stuttering. And he's nervous, and he says, um, 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 there comes a point when, um, when a father needs to say stuff to his son. Um, and then I realize, oh my gosh, this is the talk. <laughs> and he says, um, we need to talk about, um, I'm like, dad, we gonna have the sex talk? And he goes, no, listen, don't use that word. <laughs> But he says, uh, yes, yes, this is the time. And this was the whole summation of my father equipping me the only time he talked to me about this. Here it was, you ready? Do you have any questions? <laughs> my brothers and sisters in Christ, I had a ton of questions. My full learning about the talk came from three sources, my peers, locker rooms and coaches and media all of which were not healthy. But my dad was so nervous, there was no way I was going to ask him one question about this topic. So I said, no, I'm good, Dad. And he said, oh, I thought so. So, you know, I told your mom, we are fine. He's like, now look, you got a good head on your shoulders. Come on, let's go play ball. And we went out and through. And we never talked about it again. At 17, I went off to college with almost zero equipping in that area. My parents did a lot of good. That was one area where I was failed, okay? So today we're going to have the talk. Aren't you happy? <laughs> Not what you think, although I'd be happy to equip you if you need that as adults. Um, I want you to open to 1 Peter 1 because Peter has a talk about spiritual birth. And he uses terms to which the Romans in the first century used about birth, but he transfers it into the spiritual realm. He's going to talk about how Christians are made. And then he's going to talk about how Christians grow. This is awesome, okay? And how uh, we grow as readers. The key passage, if you miss this, you miss the whole book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. Look in your Bibles. I also put it on page 1 of your notes. Peter says, you have been, what church? You have been not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living, enduring, what? 
word of God, right? Born again, that term, and by the way, it's the only time it's used in the scriptures. When Jesus talked to Nicodemus, he said you need to be born from above. He talked about the same thing, but this is the only time the word born again appears in the scriptures. It means to be regenerated, to be renewed, to be given. Now, just, just think how good this feels. A new start. I was born October 7th, 1964. Now, I was there in the experience, but I've forgotten it completely, okay? All the details. But here's what I know. I had nothing to do with my birth. And I reaped all the benefits from being the product of Robert and Rita Gadini. 23 chromosomes from each parent have combined to make up this. 64 chromosomes of awesomeness. <laughs> Can I get an amen? Thank you. I am the unique amalgamation of Robert and Rita. I have my dad's nose. I have my dad's hairline. I have my dad's height. I have my mom's small teeth. I have my mom's eyes. But apart from inherited genetics, the family I was born into, and this is what Peter's getting at as well in the spiritual realm, because you know your, your walk with Jesus, it's very personal, but it was never meant to be private. The New Testament has no place where a person walks with Jesus alone. It's a corporate thing. And, and the family I was born into, they shaped me physically. My mom's food, she was a Sicilian cook. Oh my gosh, she could bring it, right? I was shaped emotionally. I grew up in a shame, honor house. And even yesterday, my wife and I were working through some conflict because of the residue of the shame, honor that I grew up under. Uh, I was shaped relationally. Our dinner table was a no-miss event six nights of the week. No miss. And my, my life was shaped at the dinner table, relationally. I was shaped spiritually. Our family walked to church every Sunday morning. And a fear of God was put into me because of the spiritual family, uh, the spiritual uh, values my family sh uh, molded me. My family of origin I was born into, it was such a powerful force. Now, we've lost a lot of that in this day and age. But in the first century in the Roman Empire, who you were... Your place in society, what job you held, whether you were a slave and two-thirds of the Roman Empire was, or whether you were free, were determined by one and one, only one factor, what family you were born into. And so his first century readers would have gotten this, right? When Paul, Peter talks about you were born again, the, all these things would fire off in their mind that we miss in the West. Wow, I've been born into a family. There's a spiritual family out there. I had nothing to do with my birth. Spiritually, we have nothing to do with being a Christian. That is all done by God Almighty. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Peter's writing to his readers and saying, look, look again at 123. The best that two parents can do is birth mortals that peak, I don't want to ruin your day, but that peak at 30 and the rest is all downhill till you hit the grave, okay? That's what's in that imperishable seed. He'll talk about it. The grass withers. The flowers fail. He compares us in light of eternity. He says, that's the best parents can do. He says, you have something way better than that. Now, remember what they're dealing with in the Roman Empire. Under suspicion of their neighbors, they can't, they can't participate in the cultural norms and values of the day. They're uh, a threat to people. They're being plucked out of their homes and uh, put in the Colosseum to be sport to their death. And Peter's going, but you still have something way better 
than anyone can offer you on this earth. You have been reborn in Christ with an imperishable seed. It's so all-encompassing. It's like being born again. I was watching a, a video this week I want to show to you of a girl named Amanda. Uh, Amanda was born deaf in one ear. And then as she grew older through her, you know, her first to 10 years, she started losing her hearing in her other ear. And she kept crying out to her mom, I can't hear. I can't hear. And she had to sit in the front of the class because she learned to read lips. And then her parents brought her to a hospital where she got a cochlear implant. And I want to bring you to the part because they said this is risky and it may not even work because she has been so damaged in her hearing, her brain through the cochlear implant may not rewire so she can hear again. I want you to take you to the scene where she goes into the uh, doctor's office after the cochlear implant has been put in and they turn it on to see if she can hear. Watch this. Hello. Okay. Right now she may still have a little bit of residual swelling and so she may change strengths here a couple of times in this first month. So I'll check on it every time I see you, but if you do it once a day, we'll be able to keep an eye on it. Okay. What I'm going to do is I'm running some impedances right now and that's one of the measurements that we did in the OR. It's just um, activating each um, electrode to make sure that it's firing correctly. Okay. I'm looking at those measurements. So I'm going to take everything down before I turn the microphone on. And it may be so soft that you don't even hear it at first. I may turn okay. it on and you'll be like, oh, what's wrong? <laughs> Nothing's happening. Not roll your eyes. <laughs> You're like, I went through surgery and I can't hear anything. And then so I'll turn it up as we talk, okay? Okay. Oh, I thought you were giving me that one. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it, that's so exciting. Do you hear anything else other like, than? <laughs> yeah? Yeah. The fan, maybe? Uh-huh, and the lights make noise. I didn't know the lights make noise. <laughs> that's just one sense of her that was born again. Her hearing. Peter is saying, when you come to Christ, you come to Christ as a dead woman, as a dead man, spiritually. You're alive relationally, you're alive emotionally, uh, you're alive physically, obviously, but spiritually, dead. And Jesus hits the button if you come to him and completely makes you alive holistically. It's so holistic, it's like being born again. Now, I want to ask you a sensitive question, but it's uh, the most best, might be the whole reason you're here today. Has that been your experience? Have you come to a place 
where you've said to Jesus, yes, yeah, I, I want that. I, I need new life, and you're the only one that can offer it. Uh, if you miss that, you've missed all that we're about, because we're not here to make good people better. We're here to make dead people come to life. And to see that life grow more and more and more. And to be a community of new life that offers the best news to our peninsula. We're not here to judge the peninsula because Jesus didn't come to judge the peninsula. John 3, 17, God didn't send his son to judge the world, but to save it. He saves it by offering us new life. At the end of this message, I'm going to give you that opportunity to say yes to Jesus. I want to be alive in you. So Peter says, because you've been born again, you were given an eternal life as opposed to a temporary one. You're growing up under a good father. Look in your Bible, chapter 2, verse 3. You've tasted and seen the Lord is good, right? You've been put in an amazing family, the family of God. And there are some family traits that should mark your life, Peter's saying. This is how the family works. And he's reminded of this now. Their only way of surviving in the Roman Empire, our only way of surviving church in 2020 on the peninsula is by being born again and living in the family and allowing the family traits to prevail in us. So turn to page two. Let's look at those family genetics that we've been given. Peter's going to go to the primary family genetic, our primary trait as followers of Christ. 122, here we go. Now that you've, chapter 1, verse 22, is everyone there? Awesome. Now that you've purified yourself by obeying the truth so that you have a sincere, circle that word because it means genuine, not pretend. This isn't fake. My goodness. Please do not come to church and gather as a church to play make-believe. This is about a sincere thing. This is what Christ does in us when he rebirths us. He gives us sincere love for each other. Peter then takes a, a words out of Jesus' playbook, and he literally says what Jesus told him in the upper room, but he missed it there. I'll get to that in a minute. He says, now that you have this, now that you've been born again, now that your heart has been made alive and you see the world in a whole new way, love one another deeply from the heart, he says. Now, put your finger there, jump left to John. Remember, this is a bring your Bible series, right? So jump left to John 13. You're in 1 Peter. Go left, uh, John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the fourth biographer of Jesus. John 13. I want to show you the context of this. We're going we're gonna to travel through time, everybody. You ready? Get in the DeLorean and, and speed through time, back to the future. Um, uh, John 13, 30 years earlier, Peter was in an upper room his best friend, Jesus, was telling them, I'm out. They've been holding to this Messiah thing, thinking right on, he's going to conquer Israel. He's going to conquer the Roman Empire. We're on the right side. And he suddenly tells them, I'm dying. Think of the grief, especially at 33 years old. And in verse 33, are you there, John 13? Okay. Jesus says, my children. Now think of the endearing term of that. My children, I won't be with you. I will be with you only a little while longer. You'll look for me just as I told the Jews. So I tell you now, where I'm going, you can't come. Peter's blown away. Wait a second. This is Peter, right? Wait a second. You're going somewhere? What? And here's, I believe, what he does to Jesus. Tunes out everything he's about to say. 
and I'll prove that in a minute. He is fixated on what? You're going away? You're leaving us? What? How can this be? Jesus goes on. A new command I give you. Love one another. Sound familiar? As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, circle that word if you haven't done so already, because I've encouraged you to circle that word before. And I want to ask you this question. What's your this? The this is how Jesus says everyone in the world will know that you're his follower. So what's your this? What is your signature if you can't speak that everyone knows through your life that you're a follower of Jesus? What is your this? Jesus says, here's the definitive for all time, for all ages. If you're six-year-old or 76-year-old or 86-year-old, here's your this. Everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Powerful, right? I mean, gosh, there should be silence in the room. Look what happens in the next verse. Verse 36, Simon Peter asked him, oh, Lord, I have a question. Oh, good, you have a question about the this? Actually, no, I don't even know what you just said, but where are you going? <laughs> he missed it. He missed it. Now, fast forward 30 years to 1 Peter. Paul is dead. Almost every one of the followers of Christ in that room have been martyred for their faith. Uh, the apostle John is the only one that's probably still alive. And Peter's going, you know, I missed it 30 years ago, but over 30 years, I got to tell you, Jesus was right. The preeminent trait of the family of God is love. So I want to tell you on the outskirts of the Roman Empire, and I want to tell you on the peninsula in 2020, love one another deeply from the heart. It is the family trait for those who've been born again. It's what marks our family. And he goes on, you've been born again, not a perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass. All their glory is like flowers of the field. Think about all the glory in our culture what our culture glorifies. And I'm not down on that, but just think about that. We've just gone through the Super Bowl. We've just gone through the Grammys. We've just gone through the Oscars. Again, I'm not, I'm not belittling any of that, but it's glory in our culture. And here's God's perspective. The grass withers, the flowers fall, but God's word endures forever. You know, it's interesting, I and mean, here's what's amazing. I was thinking about this, writing this message. 2,000 years ago, they were all consumed with their culture, with Nero and the Roman Empire and the threat of it. It was like a tsunami, much like our culture. is like a tsunami for us. 2,000 years later, who's Nero? What's Domitian? The Roman Empire crumbled, but the church is expanding. God's people are moving forward. It's unbelievable. May that be a, a, an encouragement for us to build our life on what's eternal. So the big idea that Peter's going to give to them is this. Look, you have to grow old, but you don't have to grow up. That's optional. And spiritually speaking, growing up is optional too. So Peter is saying, as he turns to chapter 2, here's how to grow up spiritually. Okay? So let's look at what stunts growth. What stunts growth, okay? 
Are you with me? Everyone with me? All right, awesome. Chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, putting aside, here's what that means, to throw aside something repugnant. Now, my wife's a germaphobe, okay? If she was here, she would tell you that too. She is a germaphobe. I start my morning every morning, six mornings a week, with a vigorous workout where I am sweating like a pig. Uh, my workouts have been banished to the garage. Uh, I have to put on sweatshirts like mornings like this until my body temperature in the workout gets to a point where I can take off my sweatshirt and then sweat completely through my uh, shirt. And then, and don't worry, I took a shower. I'm good, right? Uh, but I have a towel, and I literally have a towel that I could drip and drain, and it, it, it just, water comes out. Now imagine me coming with my towel, and my wife has taught me, you leave the towel in the garage. I have a special hamper for my sweaty towels and sweaty clothes, and once a week, I do my wash with all that sweaty, junky shorts and shirt. But imagine me this morning, I would leave the house before my wife's awake, uh, coming with the towel that's all wet and just putting it over her head <laughs> and just going, bless you, honey. How many of you would love that? With the same repugnancy that a germaphobe has over her husband's sweaty, wet towels, Peter says, may you have the same repugnancy for these traits. They are disgusting. And they're worse than disgusting. They're destructive. They're destructive. So put them aside. It's not just a casual thing. It's to throw away. Uh, why don't we give kids cigarettes as parents? Why don't I raise my daughters on high-fat, high-sugar diets? Why don't I encourage in my girls a sedentary lifestyle with five to seven hours of screen time and no exercise? Because it stunts growth. I care about those girls becoming healthy adults. I'm parenting them to launch them. If we care that much for temporary lifespan, um, may we have the same concern for our spiritual health. That's what Peter's trying to get at here. So what are we to set aside? Let's just go through that list a little slowly, okay? You ready? Set aside malice, the desire to speak about or inflict harm on another person. You might push back and go, wait a second, you don't understand what so-and-so has said about me or what so-and-so did for me. I have every right to be malicious. Peter's point is this. What you don't understand is what Christ did for you and the love that's flooded your heart. Your malice is more destructive to you than to them, and it's hurting the cause of Christ. Peter, um, I'm sorry, Paul uh, modeled this in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14. He said this. Uh, listen to this. It's not on the screen. Uh, it's not in your notes. Alexander the metal worker did me a great deal of harm, okay? He had every right, oh, it is on the screen, every right to be malicious. He's, he says this, the Lord will repay him for what he does. That's putting aside malice. These are the family traits in your spiritual DNA that will work themselves out of you when you're feeding on the word of God. Then set aside deceit. Now, Peter's a fisherman. He understood this word. You know what it means literally? To bait a hook, deceit. To bait a hook. How many fishermen in the room? That's what you're doing. You're deceiving little fish, you sinners. 
You're baiting a hook, right, to deceive them. You're lying to those little fish. I've got a problem with that, okay? Not really. Deceit is when you play a trick in order to get your way. Uh, whether it's an overt lie or you're cleverly hiding an aspect of the truth to gain a personal advantage, that's deceit. Is that in your life? Social media posts? Yesterday I was working on my taxes, had to fill out some stuff, was tempted to deceive the government about some income, right? Deceit. Put aside hypocrisy. That word comes to us from Greek plays. The Greeks would wear masks in the first century to put a smile. The mask would have a smile or a frown. It would hide who they really were. An actor in the first century in the Roman world was called a hypocrite. Not in a bad way like we use it today. That just was an acting term. Somebody who pretends to be something he or she is not. And we all suffer from it. The worst time most followers of Christ put on the mask, Sunday mornings. Coming here. How are you doing? Oh, I'm great. But we're hiding who we really are. If we can't, I'll say it again. I said it two weeks ago. If we can't be who we really are here, because this world isn't great. It's brutal. It's brutal. Whether you're following Christ or not, these are hard times. It's okay to be who you are. Jesus loves you as you really are. And that's what the cross does. It gives us the freedom to come from behind the mask and be who we truly are because he loves that person, not the person you think you should be. And we should love that person, not the person you think you should be in order to earn our love. Envy, the resentful awareness of the advantage of another. When someone gets a promotion and you're jealous, or when you get a promotion and you, you have this sense of like, God, ah, I showed you. All that is envy. It's what goes on in your heart when somebody's blessed around you. You resent or resent the fortunate thing that they got. Or you're joyful that some misfortune happened to another person. You know what envy is? It's the opposite of contentment. Put it aside. Slander. Making false statements that cause people to have a bad opinion of somebody. Literally, in the Greek language, it means to speak down or talk down on somebody. We have a term for this called trash talking, a slander. Happens all the time on social media, and I, I keep going there because that's many of our worlds these days. Be careful of that. Peter's saying, listen, you've been born again into this new eternal family, and this new eternal family, love predominates. And I want you to grow up. So be careful because these traits will stunt your growth. Get rid of them. I want to give you a truth and I put it on page three. The secret to putting aside is who we're seated beside. I am telling you, take that one to the bank. The secret to putting aside these things is who you're seated beside. Think of your best friend. Think of your closest friends. Who's checking you on hypocrisy, on slander, on malice, on envy? Who's the one that's in your face in a good way going, man, what are you learning from the word? How's God's word nourishing you today? How have you experienced God's grace in your life today? How can I pray for you today? How is it we can sit beside one another for weeks on end and not know what's going on in their spiritual life? That's not the church that Christ designed. How is it I can go home 
and my wife and I not talk about these things? We're both born again Christians. How can we not talk about our soul and what really matters? How can I not discuss this with my girls? How can that happen? The secret to putting aside is who you're seated beside. So important. And I, I don't mean to shame. I, no one wrote me an email, asked me to say this. Um, but it's so important if we're going to grow up in Christ. Because your Christian life isn't about you. It's about us. And we'll get more in that on Wednesday night when we talk about forgive us our sins. Okay, that's way too convicting. So let's just move on here. Let's go. I'm going to take, uh, take some extra time here. Is that okay with you? Okay, okay. What fuels growth? That's what stunts growth, right? And with the same repugnancy of a wet towel on my wife's face, with the same repugnancy of why you wouldn't give your five-year-old a cigarette and say, start smoking, may you and I have this repugnancy towards these things. Because they stunt our growth and they hurt the cause of Christ out there. And yes, I feel this deeply. Because I spend a lot of my time out there. And, and before I even get to the gospel, the reputation of Christians has turned people off. I mean, gosh, if, if the gospel is going to be offensive. I get that. It's good news to a lot, but it's going to be offensive. I'd rather not, not be the reputation of Christians that's offensive where they can't even hear the gospel. And I'm part of that too. So can we band together around this thing and ask God today, give us a repugnancy for this hypocrisy and these traits in our lives and help us change who we're seated beside and the values that take place in that relationship. Well, what fuels growth? Quickly, verse 2, like newborn babies, crave means of passionate, vigorous desire, pure spiritual milk. Now, he's talking about, you know, this birth thing still. Pure spiritual milk. I, you know, having five daughters, I remember uh, when they were hungry their first year of their life, and they would just cry out. And we didn't go, oh, you got a discipline. Stop crying. Be a, be a woman. They were six-month-old. They were hungry. We fed them. Peter's going, oh, may we cry out for the word of God. Do an appetite audit, my friends, over the last week. What have you cried out for? Uh, you'll see the secret at the bottom of page three. We are what we eat spiritually. And just like we try to give a balanced diet to our girls so they'll grow up, we need a balanced diet spiritually. Crave the pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you've tasted the Lord is good. Do you know the most rapidly growing time in your whole human existence is your first six months of life? Do you know that? And your whole diet is milk. Spiritually, our diet grows us in community. We are what we eat. What are we feeding ourselves? I promise you a thousand years from now when we have the PCC reunion in heaven, uh, I promise you you're going to come back and find me and go, hey, I just want to thank you for constantly prioritizing the word of God. I had no idea what that would mean in my life and the power it gave me. Thank you for taking us back to the word time and time again. I promise you, you will not regret my challenge that comes almost every week off this platform 
your first 1%, first 1%, 14 minutes, starting the word, before you go to the screen, before you go to the news, before you go to TV or anything, first 1% in the word of God. I promise you, you will not regret that, 14 minutes in a day. You will become the best version of yourself if you do that. Well, now I got it close. But I want to ask, how's your diet? What's stunting your growth? Are you okay with that? Imagine, uh, a fictitious story, but imagine uh, at our community center, which is at capacity, uh, which is amazing outreach. Imagine someone coming uh, to Lorraine, she works there, and saying, you know what, I want a refund. And Lorraine going, what, what? you want a refund? Yeah, this isn't working, the person says. What do you mean it's not working? Well, I've been coming every week for 75 minutes a year now. I've made a commitment, once a week, 75 minutes a year. And, and I weigh the same. My body fat percentage hasn't changed. My heart rate has gone up. My cholesterol has gone up. And you promised me if I came to this center with a membership, all that would change. And Lorraine says to you, well, tell me more. Uh, have you gone to a, our personal trainer? What workouts are you doing? Um, are you involved in our smile campaign, which is amazing what's going on over there right now, to general health and wholeness? And the person looks at you and says, are you kidding me? I don't do any of that. I just come for 75 minutes a week. I sit in the lobby. You guys have great coffee here. I drink the coffee. I love the music. I interact with some people. And then I go home. And nothing's changing. I want a refund. To which Lorraine would say to you, oh, if you think coming and sitting in the building is going to make you more healthy, we deceived you. 75 minutes a week, sitting in a building, sipping coffee, listening to great music, that won't change you. Getting involved in our programs is what changes you. Peter's saying the same thing. Born again starts a whole new experience. And it starts there. The gift is free. But now you're a new spiritual baby and you've got to grow up. And here's the discipline you need to grow up. Some things to keep away and a diet to eat. So as we close, I want to ask, in humility, remember, this is a safe place. And I'm not going to call anybody out. Are you happy with your spiritual growth? Are you looking more and more like Jesus? I'm expecting a yes. I, I don't have a no in, implied in that. But if you're not, you can make a decision today for the rest of your life and look back and say, to that day, February 23rd, 2020, that was the day I started becoming the best version of myself. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. I, I can't believe there's so much in six verses. But it is eternal, and it's hard to put in a segment of time. Thank you for people who hunger and thirst for it. And Lord, as we come to this point, every head's bowed, every eye's closed. I just want to ask, if you identify as a follower of Christ, are you happy with your craving? Would you say to God, change my craving? convicted I want to crave the pure spiritual milk I'm not eating well 
who's a follower of yours. If that's you and you'd say, give me a fresh craving for your word, raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Give me a fresh new craving for your word. Awesome. Love the authenticity. My hand's raised. Father, may it be. May you just overwhelm us with grace and the Holy Spirit that is inside of us so that we taste and see that you're good and just devour your word. Maybe you're here and talking in the beginning about the whole new experience. If anyone's in Christ, you're a new creature and it's almost as if you're born again. You can be spiritually. You can have a new eternal life in his name. And if you need a fresh start, by that I mean blanket forgiveness from God. And that, what else matters, right? A new operating system he promises to put inside you. A forever relationship with him, giving you a new generative life. Saying yes to Jesus just means you know to lesser things. I'm coming to you as my identity. You as my source of life. You as my forgiveness. That's you. And today you'd say, you know what? I, I don't know if I've ever said that. I want to mark it today. December 23rd, 2020. Yes to Jesus. Would you raise your hand? I want to pray for you. I'm saying yes to you, Jesus, today. Okay, we're family and family prays together. So make my words your words. Heavenly Father, thanks for loving me. Thanks for offering this gift of eternal life with you. So today I'm saying yes. Yes, I need a savior. Yes, I need a new start. Yes, I need forgiveness. Yes, you can have my life because it's not mine. You gave it to me. I'm giving it back to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC.